0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast. I am Adrienne Thompson with Interiors and Sources, and I've just returned home from our sixth annual Design Connections, held in Ponte Vedra, Florida. Here with me, I have Robert Nieminen, Interiors and Sources editor-at-large, who also attended the event. Hey, Rob, thank you for joining me hey. for today's podcast.
1: Hey, Adrienne, no problem. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I definitely already missed the Florida warmth and sun that we had. It was a, it was a great event.
1: Yeah, it was a beautiful property
0: too. Yeah. So so the theme for this year's Design Connections was disruption in action, and attendees were totally quick to dive in and share their ideas on how to positively rattle the design industry. Rob, now that this year's conference is over, I'd like to hone in and discuss with you some of the main takeaways I noticed throughout the show, um, especially points brought up during the variety of panels that took place throughout the two-and-a-half-day event. Uh, One topic I noticed that was heavily discussed was the recruitment of fresh talent and how experienced designers can attract and work with emerging professionals. Um, It was not only a couple of panel topics, but it was just something that was continuously brought up throughout the show. Um, Many during the panel discussions, uh, many of the panelists pointed out that recruitment needs to start at a much earlier age than high school, as originally thought. Um, But it was also noticed that parents and current professionals in the design field need to positively approach the subject at a young age and engage with children on their creative skills. Uh, Rob, one thing I noticed was that designers during the Q&A that took place after panels mentioned how important their parents' thoughts and influences can affect these children's paths to design as well. One tendee specifically brought up, you know, the psychological impact of even labels, such as using the word interior architect versus interior designer. I mean, parents apparently seem to think architect is more appealing. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what stigma is related to that. But why do you think architect is more appealing? And what implications does it have for designers and for young people wanting to enter the field? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that, I thought that was a really interesting point uh, as well because I'd never really considered the level of interior designer to carry you know any kind of a negative connotation in people's minds, right? Mm-hmm. But um, as one of the panelists pointed out, I mean, I, and I think this is you know true among under underprivileged populations, um, especially, but that you know the profession of interior design isn't one that's encouraged as a viable career path as we heard, right? So people do say architect, and it somehow carries a little bit more weight in their mind. And um, I, I think, as you noted too, somebody in the audience mentioned that maybe we should start, um, you know, using the term interior architect instead, which which might have you know more appeal to uh, new generations of kids, since that you know the term architect kind of carries a little bit more weight with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the problem with that is um, is that a designer can't legally call themselves an architect of any kind because of licensing laws and regulations, right? So you have to pass you know architectural board to become licensed. Title officially, and licensing is actually a really big issue um, right now because I think just over half of the states uh, in the U.S. Um, require an interior designer to be uh, to carry a license and you know pass an exam, while all 50 states require it for architects. So you know it, it's like unless the laws change, I think we're kind of stuck with the term interior designer. But um, you know I think part of the issue, really to me, the way I see it, is that people don't really fully understand what designers do. Um, to me the general public often just associates designer with decorator and which, which are not the, you know the same thing mm-hmm. at all. and HG, HGTV doesn't really help in that regard either. but I think I think what they were pointing out too, um, is definitely on point is that education is, is really key. So you know having um, I think somebody challenged the attendees to you know in the next six months was probably our publisher Stephen this month, you know he said that, you know at the end, like challenge everybody to, in the next six months, you know, find a way that you can connect with like a local school, and especially like middle school, not even high school, and go out there and, you know, find ways to connect and, and tell them about professional interior design and hopefully, um, you know, inspire them uh, to pursue that as, as a possible future uh, career field. So I think definitely education is going to be an important component of that, and, um, and kind of Realigning people's perceptions of what church designers
0: really do. Yeah, I totally agree, and and I know uh, they, everyone is really thinking of ideas on how to engage with these children at a young age and continue to keep the a positive stigma in regards to the word designer. Um, something I've noticed in you know, things that, stories that come across my radar. A really cool event that I noticed took place, it was a camp for young boys, but it was called Hip Hop Architect Camp, and it was a camp that took place in Washington, D.C., but they took something, you know, kind of modern, this hip hop rap, and they had these kids use this music and these raps to kind of help with their architect and design skills, and it was really... Emphasize on design skills, but it's just interesting how they use that word architect be, to become more appealing and to get parents more in, willing to sign their kids up for these types of events. Um, you know, yeah. another, sorry, go ahead. No, that,
1: that, yeah. go ahead, that's
0: fine. Yeah, so I mean, another thing I noticed that was brought up uh, both during the general session on the future of design as well as the one on the experienced designer and emerging professional was the designers who attended both seasoned and just starting out. Um, They wanted to know what these young people need when they finally do enter the field. So now that we've got their attention, what are they looking for when they walk in on their first day, in their first six months, in their first year at that firm? Um, I think we can all agree that there is a significant benefit to for these young people to have an engaging mentor-mentee relationship, um, whether that's someone in the firm, maybe someone they've interned with, or maybe even someone you know they had throughout their school, school years that they can just really look up to um, and continue to ask questions with. However, I think it was also stated they need more than that. So Rob, what were some of the things you noticed that people were saying they want access to as they start their careers?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let me touch on the, the mentor-mentee um, relationship there because I think you're, you're definitely right because from the panel that we heard, um, it was it was clear to me that the young professionals, um, they really want someone to take them under their wing and mentor them, you know. Um, one of the panelists said she, you know, she pointed out that she wouldn't even be at Design Connections had it not been for one of the principals at her firm giving her opportunities to grow and to develop as a that The young designers are really value because it helps them so much, you know, in their careers. And and then there was the kind of um, uh, sort of lighthearted moment there too, because you know, obviously the, the benefits are reciprocal, right? So the seasoned designers are learning from the young professionals in terms of what's possible with technology. And I think uh, that one of the younger panelists joked that you know that they can teach the you know, the older principals like when to hit reply and not
0: reply all, on the email. Like, you yeah, know, had us all kind of laughing, right? But. But yeah,
1: and, you know, the other thing that was interesting was that, um, you know, coming out of design school, I think it's really uh, challenging for for students who are just entering the profession because what I heard was that, um, you know, the, some of the, some of the um, older principals that I've spoken to, or um, seasoned professionals, um, you know, they say that students entering the field um, don't always necessarily have a good sense of the business side of, of you know, running a design firm. So um, they obviously... Um, are well versed in technology. They have a lot of creative talent. Um, but it's more like on the technical knowledge and less practical,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you know, in the, in the young professionals defense, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if that's always being taught, you know, on the academic side. So, um, and I think one of the panelists also mentioned that, you know, a lot of employers expect them to have, you know, experience working in a design firm like with internships. And so I think the expectation, um, on them is pretty high, but, um, you know, one thing I wanted to say, though, for sure, was that um, you know the young professionals that we met with that attended Design Connections. I mean, I was so impressed with them. Like they were really thoughtful, articulate, and passionate about design in their careers. And you know, I just I think if the next generation of designers is anything like this group, you know, we're going to be in very good hands. But but yeah, they, they really do need kind of somebody. You know, as they enter into their uh, their careers, uh, somebody to kind of help guide them along. Um, they have technical ability, they have creative ability, but someone to help just kind of um, you know, walk them through some of the other aspects of, of more, you know, the practical side of of working in a design firm and and dealing with clients and, and building and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so it's it's definitely a delicate balance, but I think think we're going to be in good hands.
0: Yeah, I know. uh Allison Brown, one of the panelists for the future of design, along with uh Wentz Tuttle. Allison, she's with Perkins and Will. Um, she really emphasized the point of being able to have physical access to everyone in the industry, especially those in leadership positions. Um, because when you have physical access, I mean, something as simple as having your office across the room or you know a glass door where you can see someone's face, it really makes a difference in b- having these opportunities with uh, these leaders to engage. And it's great for the too, you know, share their experiences because Allison pointed out that's exactly how you learn. You know, you got to dive right in. And then um, same with Wens Tuttle. You know, she's with EYP Architecture and Engineering, and she also emphasized access. But like you highlighted, Rob, they want to have opportunities, you know, not just to design, but all aspects of the business. They want to learn these business management skills, project management, meet with the clients right away. That way they can, you know, just... Again, following up on your point, get the experience that they need to continue to grow in their profession.
1: Right. Yeah. And the, and the other thing, um, you know, the young professionals. What I heard from them was that you know they want to be trusted. I mean, even with like the work life balance that they were talking about um, with some of the firms, how they're offering that. Um, you know, they want they want their input to be valued. They want to be trusted. And I think as um, as leaders give them those opportunities and they can prove themselves, you know, it's just going to help them along in their careers. And it just as a real quick side note, I know it's kind of off topic, but as far as, like, you know, you mentioned leaders being, you know, uh, being accessible just physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about kind of like the open plan and, and things like that. Um, how, you know, the cultures of companies, I mean, you know, it's a leadership if, if they want things. You know, if they want people to utilize the space a certain way, they have to be there. They have to be engaged, or things don't. You know, uh, things aren't going to work the way that they that they want them to. You know, so I, I heard that theme repeated over and over. That you know, um, leadership really needs to lead by example. And you know, regardless of what it is, whether it was from the first diversity panel, um, you know, having you know diverse leadership and ideas and thoughts at the table, um, you know, to just um, to, you know the company culture. I mean, whatever it is. So. Um, I, I think leaders can really set the tone for the young professionals as they get into their
0: careers. Totally agree, and and just following up, you know, with our first point during our chat here um, with stigmas, and you know, using words like designer versus architect. Um, following up with a lot of these young people, they're all millennials, and as we know, that has a negative stigma behind it for many reasons. Um, but as Tyson Baker pointed out, uh, you need a millennial to continue to stay with the trends and. It's the millennials take up a large percentage of the population. I mean, so you're going to have to cater to what they want and, you know, see what things they're liking. And as he pointed out, I mean, he brought up something that made people laugh. He said, you need a millennial to know what millennial pink is. And he's right. You know, he's hi- hanging home with a hot trend, but, you know, where would we be without millennials to have that? So I think, like you said, all of the young professionals that were there uh, really wowed and amazed everyone. Um, it was great to watch them connect with people who are seasoned in the field. And just, it's exciting, too, with Stephen's challenge to hear um, when we come back to Design Connections next year, what kind of stories they might share on how they're engaging with people emerging in the field. Absolutely,
1: yeah.
0: we're a great tip. Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to hit a third point, something that I think we are seeing everywhere, something that was definitely brought up at Design Connections, is how technology, sustainability, and health and wellness just continues to make an appearance um, in both discussions that were had during – our event that we just got back from, as well as the products that the sponsors brought and showcased uh, during the one-on-one meetings and just throughout the show. So I think it's safe to say, you know, these things, they're no longer... I I mean, I would no longer necessarily consider them design-forward traits, but rather something that's now expected and expected to just be the standard um, in the products that the designers are using. Um, A lot of, you know... Anywhere from Waka 9 uh, using recycled materials in the lights that it distributes um, and eCore's wellness line. It was just kind of great to see how these companies are showcasing and their products and what they're bringing to the table to make a healthier environment. So, Rob. Um, that being said, do you think we're still going to continue to see a lot of growth in this area, and is this trend still going to be, you know, something that's often talked about, or is it becoming stagnant? So, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, um, and I think um, it's kind of twofold there. So, like with sustainability, um, you know, what's interesting when I started with interiors and Sources back in two thousand and two, um, you know, sustainability was still kind of a fringe concept, um, kind of a grassroots effort that was happening, and it wasn't. Um, where it is today by any stretch. I mean, people were sort of dabbling in it. Manufacturers were doing sort of green products, but it was not nearly um, as prevalent as as it is now, as you pointed out, Adrian. I mean, it's pretty much expected. Right.
0: So, mm-hmm. um, but
1: I think, uh, yeah. So as far as like lead is concerned, I mean, everybody is kind of, that's become just sort of a common vernacular. Everybody is well-versed in it. Um, they mentioned how, you know, we like, did that move to indoor air quality and started touching on human health and wellness, but not really more about water and energy savings and things like that with buildings. Um, but then, you know, that, that there's this evolution that sort of happened, like with, health uh, product declarations, um, environmental product decorations as well and so now I feel like we're in the next phase of um, you know the sort of the next stage of sustainability is now moving into wellness um, I, I think wellness is still a little bit more emerging than sustainability right because now we're really starting to to look at the research and understand how interiors really impact um, the occupants spaces so I, I definitely feel that wellness is going to continue to be a major trend I think one of the the um, I think one of that first uh, in the panel, the molecules matter. um, They talk about how in the hospitality industry, uh, wellness is actually growing fifty percent faster than the than the industry as a whole, right? So I mean that's that's pretty significant um, as far as that just is. And also the other one that I had to write down was that global wellness as an industry is bigger than. ADA-type compliance sort of thing. It's all kind of headed in that direction. And I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be really...
0: And it's just been interesting to, you know, throughout the whole Design Connections event, it's just been interesting to see how companies are taking themselves up a notch or how they've been doing so for years and people are just really taking notice, you know, from... Things that I just think were cool was uh core they, they can recycle all of their materials. You know, they take everything back, and it's just a constant forward motion of just continuing to, like, do better, be better, um, have better products, have better spaces. And it was just great to see all the ideas that people were sharing on these topics.
1: Yeah, I just, and real quick on that, uh, to your point there about people sharing you know, ideas and, and collaborating, uh, that was one of the other themes, um, you know, like, like bigger themes that, that I felt like I kept hearing too, was people working with um, you know, with other you know, people you might not expect, like for example, um, in, in the molecules matter panel, um, you know, one of the panels was talking about how they had a major fabric failure at a, at a healthcare facility, and it cost a lot of money, so um, they were trying to figure out why the fabric was failing because they had to replace all of it throughout the entire, I mean, I don't know how many hundred rooms it was, but it cost a lot of money. So they brought in a team of chemists to look at what was happening at a molecular level and why the weren't holding up. And what they discovered was that, um, you know, it was human, um, human interaction with the fabric, so, you know, the oil, sweat, uh, chemically was, was reacting with the cleaning, uh, you know, and the actual... Chemical makeup of the fabric, and so you know if they went outside the box, they they grabbed the team of chemists to, to bring them in. And somebody mentioned like this recycling too, like if you, if you want to design for recycling, what parts are recycled or like, So bringing in people from non-traditional like design teams you that know, really sort of uh, again understanding that bigger picture, I think, is huge. And um, and lastly, um, I think some of the younger professionals when we're talking about technology, I mentioned like this idea of open source. Um, um, you know, creation, product creation, manufacturing. and They encourage that the in the industry, and even um, like the design. Uh, you yeah, know, as opposed to just always protecting the intellectual property, but you know, build, uh, you create something that we can build on and others can improve upon. Uh, I think we talked about like Elon Musk and how you know when he created the battery pack for the you know, for the electric vehicle, he immediately released it to the public so that it could um, it would improve. People can improve upon it because it was benefit society as a whole and not just his, his company. You know, and so I feel like that was something that I heard designers talk about a lot. I mean, I like think actually was you know we need to collaborate even more with others and share ideas. Uh, for the benefit of the whole. So that, you know, I thought that was
0: really cool and very inspiring. Yeah, and I, and I think those are all great examples of how people are being disruptors and seeing it in action, um, especially with the open source. That's not something people do often, um, but it was definitely encouraged um, and brought up throughout the show. So I think that that's a good point to bring up. Uh, well, Rob, thank you so much for joining me to you know highlight all of the grand ideas that were discussed during this year's uh, Design Connections event. Um, Thank you for all that joined and listened to us today. Be sure to be on the lookout for information on next year's Design Connections, and we hope you can join us.